शिला गुरुदेव की जाए श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जाए श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जाए श्री दाऊजी गोपाल जी की जाए घोर भक्तवृंद की जाए घोर समान तो डॉक्टर वेलकम and how today we have one more meeting in connection with our series of lectures about shri bhritasur and the bhagavatam shloki of the bhagavatam and the prayers of bhritasur found therein so we already went through five sessions the first of you of which was an introduction to the whole uh bhagavatam shloka and then we went through each one of these four uh, verses of the bhagavat which delivered if you will in advance the essence of the mood that the bhagavatam wants to ultimately wants to deliver to us in 10th canto brajalila so as a closing to to the series we thought about doing some q and a questions and answers ideally in connection to what we have been speaking this last day since there was no time for questions and answers these days so if you have any questions topics something in connection to our series and if there is some other question that may be not so connected with the topic we can also entertain that but if there is some connected question we can begin uh, with that so i don't know if there are any, any questions any comments topics by I mean by their I don't know how to put it like Ujjana Yoga there is other demons who attain perfection by being killed uh-huh. by the world but they don't attain perfection through Ujjana Yoga only demons attain perfection through Bhakti mm-hmm. and so I was wondering if this is a way to show the generosity of Bhakti that it can go to such a low class of people for Dhyana Yoga. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I understood, but I, don't, I didn't, I got lost with the last part. If there is a way to demonstrate the generosity of Bhakti. If, if this is showing how these demons attain perfection through Bhakti, mm-hmm. but there's no example of demons attaining perfection through Yoga Dhyana, mm-hmm. if this demonstrates Mm, okay. It was more of a question that begs for a yes or no. So I can say yes and finish there my my reply, but I don't know if you are fully satisfied with that. <laughs> Bright from there is not, so we'll have to elaborate a little bit more. So, <clears throat> yes, you made a, a good point there. And the point is that 
and also repeat a little bit because I don't know, at least for the ones connected here, they were able to hear the question, but if we hear about these main so-called demons, because strictly speaking we can say that Bali or Prahlad or Britisura were demons only in, in, in DNA consideration, if you will. No? I mean, the blood was there, but the, the spirit was totally other thing, transcendental. So these ones attain perfection through bhakti, and we have no other examples in the Bhagavatam of demons attaining perfection through something different from bhakti. And if you have some, if we think about other examples like Agasur or whatever, some other uh, Putana, that's the main one. They all obtain perfection by bhakti, but in, in one point by extreme mercy of Krishna. Even you know I mean? so, not through dhyana and yoga. So the question will be: that's um, somehow confirming the supremacy of bhakti above these paths, other paths like dhyana, yoga. And of course, the question is: yes, that's one of the main of the many ways of establishing how much more powerful is bhakti in comparison to other paths. We do not have the capacity of extending such to such a low how do you say low have you say in English no have no to such a bottom region okay no problem and that's as as I will as will say no that's why also paths like like Jan Yoga and so on, they have so many uh, prerequisites in order for you to engage in them, which speak about, sometimes one may mistakenly think, oh, this path has so many prerequisites, that must be the most advanced thing, because it's asking so many things for me, it's so complex, almost impossible to embrace, that must be the higher thing, sometimes we think in those lines, but actually the the most logical logic is <laughs> they are not that powerful so they are requesting from you, you know, bring your own power to the path because the path is not powerful enough as to uh, deliver you if you just come as, as whatever you are now what to speak if you are a demon and then Yan Yoga will say sorry you are a demon <laughs> You first need to do this, 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 and then we can speak about embracing the path. What to speak of attaining perfection? Kumar will say for you to engage in jnana, yoga. So many requisites are there: sannyas, brahmacharya, which is not very much go hand by hand with the asuric type of mentality. And generally, asura, as we say the other day, means I want to enjoy now. Asura. If you say to someone who is really anxious to enjoy, take your time, practice celibacy, renounce the world, and you can embark on the path to begin with. Then we can start speaking about getting closer to the goal and attaining perfection. For someone who is like, I want to enjoy now, <laughs> it's like, no, thank you. I will find something else. Maybe in Bhakti, Krishna will say, yeah, you can come and enjoy with us and there will be some bait there for <laughs> catching even the demons. And there are so many examples in the scripture like that. No? So yeah, this is one way of showing the the efficacy of Bhakti and how powerful Bhakti Devi is, that it can come and basically uplift 
anyone from whatever condition that person is. Basically, the person needs only to, how to say, as Asilasia Maras said in his words, to put a little bit of one's uh, collaboration, you say in English, collaboration, to accept the gift. That's, that's our part. Bhakti comes as a bo from above in a generous way, undeserved way. It's not that we have done something in order to attract Bhakti to us. No, that, that's an important point. Sometimes the devotees get misled when they speak about, for example, Sukriti. No, and they speak in terms of accumulating Sukriti, like if it's something, something that you can do. Okay, I will increase my security account by doing this, this, this. But actually, I mean, the, the, I mean, you can do something, but the something you can do is to open yourself to the gift that is coming. But it's not that you yourself can give the gift to yourself. I will you not know, self-give this bhakti security to give more bhakti. You know, it's not. I mean, I, I cannot do that to myself. It's something that is coming beyond myself. And again, it sounds simple but also requires certain humility. While in other parts, maybe the, everything will be more like, the idea will be on your own merit. No? You practice this, and you do this tapas, and this penance, and the ego doesn't need to be so much no? put into the fire, if you will. <laughs> humility is not that required. Who could say that? In other parts, the requirement is sannyas and brahmacharya, I mean, and you can practice those things and not necessarily be fully humble. And the requirement in bhakti, one of the main requirements is It's In one sense, it's easier, but in another sense, it may be harder. It's more, it requires our heart. Again, to begin with, it may be quite generous, but eventually as we go on the path, we say, oh, I have to give fully myself. Other paths, we don't have that much on that level. They are not demanding that level of surrender. No? I mean, of course, Bhakti is demanding full surrender because it, it's giving herself fully to us and wants to give herself in higher degrees. So it's, there needs to be some correspondence between the Bhakti Devi and ourselves. No? So, but yeah, that and, and the famous example, as we mentioned, is Putana, no? and, and, and the famous verse of the Bhagavad with Urava is praying, no? So, because you mentioned this idea that some demons are killed by Krishna, but we hear that many of them basically attain his effulgence, some type of merging. So, which is already too much. I mean, when that happened with Tuagasur, such a big demon, serpent-like demon, and he merged into the body of, of Bhagavan, and Brahma came to, I mean, to, to understand what's going on. Such a demon, and he obtained such an extreme gift. But in the case of Putana, that's even higher. And that's why in this verse, Uddhava is saying, I can, how can I surrender to someone else more merciful than Krishna? He gave put in the position of a mother in Golok. He gave her Vatsalya Bhakti. And what which was Putana's credit, if you will, in order to receive that. What did she do? Nothing. 
or what or, or, or if you want to make it more contrasting Uda would say what did she do she put she smeared her breast with poison and presented herself as a mother but trying to kill Krishna so, apparently trying to nourish Krishna but in the background trying to kill Krishna that was with her marriage, if you will, <laughs> what she did. How Krishna reciprocated? Strong hair to go love as in Batsalya. Of course, this is a very uh, extreme example of what we call Kripa Siddhi. Srila hmm? Rupa Goswami speaks of, of three, le three, four, three ways of, three types of perfection. Nitya Siddha, three types of perfected beings. Nitya Siddha, Sadhana Siddha, and Kripa Siddha. Nitya Siddha means eternally perfect, eternal associates, Nitya Parishat. Sadhana Siddha, one who attained perfection by practice. And Kripa Siddha means one who attained perfection by mercy. Of course, when we say mercy here, it means like excessive mercy, because to attain perfection by practice, we require mercy. It's not that I attain perfection by Sadhana, no mercy required, only on my own effort. No? I mean, you won't go too far like this. But Kripa Siddhi means you attain perfection while doing zero sadhana, probably. While being a demon, while being opposed to Bhagavan extremely. But Krishna had a, some express, express himself in a transcendentally whimsical way. I'd send you to Golok. <laughs> so Putana is like extreme example of that. And that speaks again of, of Krishna's merciful disposition, but that's another way to say of Bhakti's uh, potency. And capacity, you won't hear that Gyan or, or Yoga had the capacity to deliver such a demon to such a degree. It's like a very contrasting case the one of Putan, and that's why Uddhava, who is Shastra bit, he chose to, he chose that particular example to, no, he was thinking, well, I, will, I want to glorify Krishna's merciful disposition. And I want to find a very appropriate example, as we were saying the other day with Brita Sur. He gave different analogies. I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied with that. I have to find a perfect analogy. So in this way, Uda was thinking, I have to find a perfect instance, example of Krishna really being... I mean, he's always merciful, Karuna Sindhu, but his oceanic mercy may overflow to... Unlimited degree, so it's a Putana. That's extreme. Extreme, 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 extreme. <laughs> And again, that speaks of Krishna's mercy and that speaks of Bhakti's potency because when we understand the point is that generally, although Krishna may grant perfection, this is explained also in the scriptures, uh, by himself, we generally speak that Bhakti comes to our life through the Bhaktas. Of course, Krishna may, may grant perfection as he did with Putana, but it is said that when Krishna grants perfection directly and not through the agency of his devotees, there is not that much relish in that. I mean, there is, I'm not saying there's nothing there, but it's not such an upgraded expression as when that mercy comes to someone through the medium of the Vaishnava. And also, one, that's one reason why it is said that Putana, he received this extreme direct mercy of Krishna. But nonetheless, she went to a, an external section of Golok. The Vishwanath calls it Bahir Mandal. And Golok Vrindavan has... I mean, Golok has different departments. Golok Dwarka, Mathura, and Vrindavan. But Golok Vrindavan has different departments in itself. And Vishwanath called the Antar Mandal and the Bahir Mandal. The inner section 
and the outer section. In the outer section there is more Aishwarya, Radha Krishna and Swatiya, they are married overtly. There is some sense again of Krishna's Godhood. So some devotees, which were not mentioned, is who practice Raga Bhakti with some admixture of Vaidhi and eventually do not dismiss that Vaidhi, if you will, for the sake of pure Raga Bhakti, they go to that section. When Krishna is worshipped, but as God also, hmm? similar to the Brahma Samhita prayers. Brahma, what he's saying, what there, what's the main, like, how do you say? The main line that repeats after every call, chorus? Chorus? Chorus. Govinda Madhi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. So what does it mean? I worship Govinda, the original personality of the Supreme Lord. But nobody in the inner section of Vrindavan will express themselves in that term. They won't say to Krishna, I worship you, the Adi Purusha, the Supreme. Nobody will say that. But they, Brahma said that and he said Govinda. He was not speaking to Vishnu or Vaikuntha. Govinda, but with some Aishwari. So there is a section for that, no problem. All accommodating there. So Putana went there in Batsalya Rasa. She didn't got the inner section. So one of the reasons that sometimes the, the Chaya says, one may be, well, she didn't practice anything. So there was some Kripa city, some perfection, but which that. But also one point is, the mercy came directly from Krishna, not for his devotees. <laughs> so there was not such a high relish, a, a high reach in the experience of Rasa. Of course, she obtained a glorious position in Golog. I mean, that's, and for someone like Putin, I mean, it's overwhelming. But still that, that distinction is there, which speaks about, again, Bhakti, Bhakti's power, especially when she gives herself through the medium of, of the Vaishnava. And yet, that's, that's, that's a very fitting example to, to mention that in connection to how Bhakti can uh, enter into our life from day one and, and begin the process of uh, reformation, if you will, transformation, transubstantiation, whatever, even though we may be filled with the different types of anarchists. That's why, I mean, the Bhagavatam is saying that. Akama sarbu kama ba moksha kama daradi ti brena bhakti jogena jayeta purushantaram. This very much famous verse the Bhagavatam says, whether you have akama, sarbu kama, moksha kama. Whether you have uh, no desires at all, you are desireless, akama, akama, sarbu kama. Whether you have all desires, <laughs> now there's people who are so full of desire that they have they are sarvakamis means you are you have all the desires that one can have some people have them so Bhagavatam says whether you have no desire at all or you have all the desires possible or moksha kama or you have some desires for example for moksha it's a desire to to not have any more desires <laughs> something like this whether it may be the case worship Engage in bhakti, basically. Engage in bhakti firmly. Whether maybe you sit, so that's the proclamation of the Bhagavatam. No matter who you are, no matter which is your background, no desire at all, some desire, full of desire, just enter into the fire of bhakti and bhakti will do the rest in time. So again, we don't, we do not find such such type of claims in, in the Gyan Mark or in the Yoga Mark, first you have to engage in Jama, Niyama, 
and all these different restrictions and again sannyas and vairagya renouncing the world because there is not such positive content as it is with bhakti which is again it's the internal energy of Bhagavan. And, and again that's what Vishwanachakavarta could say and those other processes Gyan, Yoga in order for them to give their respective goals their need to be mixed with Bhakti mm-hmm. so that speaks also about Bhakti's power mm-hmm. and as Guru Mahesh will say if you realize oh Gyan, Yoga depend on Bhakti for giving its fruit why not engaging only in Bhakti it's just one drop of bhakti makes this other process successful. What must it be that just jump into a pool of bhakti during <laughs> without a mixture of gyan and, and, and other stuff? That's what the type of bhakti that we are invited to. That's what Rupa Goswami say. Gyan, karma, adi, anabrikam. Uttam bhakti is, is not uh, mixed, if you will, with gyan, karma, and adi. Adi means other, etc. Yoga, tapasya, all the things. No necessity, that's the point. No necessity of that. Bhakti herself can do the whole job if we do our part, of course. But the other processes, they require Bhakti Devi's blessing on one degree or another. No? So, so, yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, whenever we, we see some demon uh, attaining perfection as a demon, if you will. <laughs> Bhakti is, 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 has the potency to reach that. I mean, and I speak for myself. No? I mean, we personally should think that. I mean, I'm a demon, or I'm in the process of stopping being a demon. Because again, what's a demon? Sometimes the word carries some cult- cultural implications, no? like an asura. But asura, we describe what's asura. I want to enjoy now. I do not have patience. I lack humility. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvatthaku once described that. He said that uh, when you do not trust into their, in, the, in, in the arrangements of Bhagavan and you have not enough patience and you want things to happen now, basically that's speaking about your level of faith, if you will. So also there is some initial faith required for Bhakti and this faith has to do with this. So we realized, yeah, for, for lots of time I didn't have that faith. I, I just want to exploit and enjoy right now. As I said the other day, I don't want, I don't know what I want, as this song says, but I want it now. <laughs> That's pretty surreal. I'm totally in ignorance about what, what do I need. I don't have a clue. But I, at the same time, I, I do not have patience enough. I'm not patient enough to, to get the answer. <laughs> Something like that. So that's a surah. So... I mean, at least personally, I, I, I confess that I, I'm part of that plan. I, I'm trying to alter my DNA, but we, I, mean, I don't want, I won't speak for any of you, but one should feel individually in my previous life that was not a panasura. I mean, it's not that I need to be born in the family of Piranha, Kachipu, or, or whatever, no? I mean, it's enough with, it's enough with, with, with our particular previous dynasty if you will in this world. so my point is we ha- we ourselves can give testimony of Bhakti's power we don't even need to go to Bali or to Agasura or to anyone we can say here I am no? that's what Prabhupada said when someone was asking him what's your mysticism where is your magic no? show, show us your mystic power so he could have 
floats, he could have floated in the air or make lights appear or read your mind or who knows what. But he simply points to his disciples. Look at them. Ask them what they were doing two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, they were thrown in a pool of Asura-like tendencies. Now, from hippies, hippies. <laughs> so that speaks about Bhakti's power. That's a very like immediate testimony. We can go to the stories of the scripture, of course, they are very powerful. But we can give a very immediate share our immediate experience in that regard. So, so again, that, that speaks about the power of Bhakti. Swarup Shakti intercepting by the grace of the Sadhu, our Tatasta Jiva condition under the influence of Maya Shakti. And we may have not attained perfection yet, but we are on the path to that and we can give certain testimony that that's happening, something is going on. So that speaks about no prerequisites, basically, if you will. You, you may not even know that you are engaging in Bhakti, Bhakti is already uplifting you. Whenever you, you realize what's going on, you are, you are already on, on her lap, if you will. I remember always first time that I went to a temple or something, I was like singing in, in the kirtan and dancing and jumping and, and I said like, how did I end up doing this here? What's going on? <laughs> already too late. <laughs> but, but how, how did everything start? I mean, in, in, at which point I decided I will be end up doing that? So, again, that's Bhakti's also own prerogative. Of course, we have our will. We can oppose Bhakti. That's an important point also. It's not that Bhakti forces herself in our, into our life 108% and we have no choice in the matter whatsoever. That may sound a little bit like there's no free will at all or something. No? So, when we say that the, the Bhakti is a gift, basically means that, that. I mean, it's something we do not deserve. It's coming out of her own prerogative through the sadhu, but we choose to receive that or to reject it. We have a part to play there on every single day. It's not that I accepted Bhakti on the first day and, and it's, it's enough. I'm safe. I accepted Jesus. I'm safe. Yes, if you accepted Jesus, you are saved. What does it mean to accept Jesus? <laughs> I accepted my guru and say, I surrender to Krishna and say, yes. But what does it mean to fully surrender? So every single day we have to reconfirm our commitment, if you will. To increase it, basically. So, so yes, that, that's one that's nice way to put it, how Bhakti can, can do can perform certain miracles, if you will, that Gyan and Yoga don't have the chance to do, because they, again, they're more connected to other departments, mm -hmm. to Sattva, Gyan has a lot to do with Sattva, Yoga, it's the ultimate reach, it's, it's not connected to the full, the full fold of Swarup Shakti, so again, Bhakti has to do with Krishna's personal intrinsic energy, there's another quality of impact and power and influence. So that's why Bhakti can do what, what she does and other parts cannot. And again, they need Bhakti for that. And they do not need too much Bhakti. They need a little bit of Bhakti. And also that speaks about they don't have such a reach. No? It's not that they require 
full degree of bhakti to take you, no, because Gyan and yoga won't take you to the same place that bhakti will take you. So they just require some little drop of bhakti. So that speaks about the power of bhakti, but also speaks about the reach of these processes. While bhakti is, again, bhakti for bhakti's sake, and there's no end to the, to the reach of that. There's no shore, if you will. You can always overflow in newer and newer forms. So it's a pretty powerful thing. So power that attracts Krishna himself. So that speaks also another way to, to solve the, the attributes of bhakti. That's the only thing that Krishna is attracted to. Not, nothing else. Krishna so on, the, on the low end, we speak about demons and how they are affected with bhakti, but we can go to the high end and speak about how Krishna is affected with bhakti and how does he reciprocate with jnana, yoga. He says that in the Bhagavatam. How is this verse? Nasankyam dharma udava natsadhyaya sapatsyago yato bhakti mamorjita. I missed one line. Forgive me. But basically he says, Oh, I'm not so pleased by those who engage in different bratas and tapasya and sankhya and yoga and jnana as I am with those who engage in bhakti. So he very clearly establishes like this a hierarchy of attainment, a hierarchy of reach of these different processes. So, so yeah, bhakti is very powerful and very generous so for, for the Asuric ones like myself that's great hope that <laughs> that's the only way I can be here speaking about that actually I mean this is an attempt of, of giving testimony of who I am who I was and who I'm trying to become in by the grace of Bhakti which was not which would not be possible by the reach of these other practices okay what else? That's a nice question. Morley? <clears throat> I was wondering, um, it's mentioned that Vipasura is in praying or has praying for, for Krishna or well, I guess the question, what what is his Ishtadevata or is it mentioned what sort of relationship Vipasura has? No. No, 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 no. As we mentioned in, in some of the lectures, I mean, one could infer that his prayers, what he, what his prayers imply, ultimately regarding the ultimate reach of the Bhagavatam beyond his own personal affinity. That happens sometimes in the scripture. Someone may pray in one way pointing to the ultimate reach of something, even though that person may have his, her own different affinity, but, I don't know, for example, famous case of Uddhava, not the, it's not the same, but it's a similar thing, like Uddhava praying at the end of his visit to Vrindavan, there's famous six prayers that he performs after, offers after being with the Brajavasis, Meeting Jasod and Nanda, being with the gopis, the Brahma Gita, the Bumblebee song, and would have like really realizing I came here for receiving my my PhD. <laughs> I was Shastra Bid, I knew the, the whole scripture, but now Krishna sent me to this place, which is 
beyond Shastra. <laughs> so now I'm receiving my PhD or more, even more than that. <laughs> so after wandering for some months in Braj, totally intoxicated, visiting the Lila Stali, the place of Pasan, he says goodbye to the to the Braj by putting his head to the ground and offering six famous prayers to, to the gopis. This is at the end of chapter 47 of 10th canto, the chapter of the Brahma Gita, which concludes with six prayers of Buddha. And arguably the most famous one is when he prays to become a uh, speck of dust, if you will, Vrindavan. Asammaho charanarayinu jisammahamsam Actually, he prays to become a blade of grass. Brahma is the one who prays to become a speck of dust. There's not much categorical difference. <laughs> and it's interesting because here Udala is praying to the gopis. I mean, the gopis are there in front of him. He's on the floor offering Dandava Pranam. He's speaking in third person, speaking about the gopis. While there, there, there is nobody else apart from the gopis there. So in Vedic terms, if I speak to someone in third person, you say in third person, it's a way of showing respect to the person. It's a way of stating that person is really high. I don't dare to, to address the person directly, something like that. So that offers all these prayers in third person. Speaking <laughs> about the gopis, the gopis, and the gopis are the ones there. So he says there, no, these gopis are, have rejected all the have cut all the ties of family and society and, 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 and position in this world, which are so difficult, so difficult to cut. He says, They're very difficult. So, and they have trans, and they are the Jurmukunda Padabinshu to be, I then have done this in order to just give themselves to Krishna. After whom even the Shruti, the Vedas are trying to attain. So, oh, let me be so fortunate as to be born as a blade of grass here in Bratswai may be like imbued with the dust from the feet that comes from the souls of the gopis and I may touch that and I may become successful in my life. So I may feel, okay, now Uddhava here is praying to attain gopi bhav. One may think that, but actually that's not the case because Uddhava has already a, a, a permanent position in relationship to Krishna. He's in, he's in Dasya with an admixture of Sakya. So actually what he's praying for is I would like to become, how to say, imbued by the intensity with which the gopis, through which the gopis give themselves to Krishna. In my particular relationship to him, I wonder, but at the, at, at, while saying that, he's pointing to the ultimate reach of, of the Bhagavad, of Brajalila, which the Bhagavad trying to point to. At the same time, he's expressing something in his own terms, but in this case, of course, we know which is Uddhav's affinity. In the case of Sura, at least that I know, of course, I'm open to prove myself wrong and, and know that there is some, something about that. And, and imagine maybe some sadhus have interpreted some of the prayers in one way or another. For sure there must be some who may want to make him a gopi very quickly. <laughs> but to be honest, if you study the, the purpose of, of Vishwanath Chikavati or 
At one point, Vishwanath speaks about Dasya, as I, I mentioned to you in one class. Spiritual Dasya, when he compares with the example of the wife and the husband, and Sura is asking for spiritual Dasya. But still, is I mean, as we mentioned, Dasya in one way could be a, a way of, I mean, you can say rather Dasyan also. Mm-hmm. It's Dasyan. <laughs> and any Rasa is Dasyan, strictly speaking. So it's not necessarily expressing very clearly this type of Dasyan or this type of, of aspect of the divine even. Because here in this part we are not, not nobody saying the Ishtadeva of Brita Sura is Braja Krishna. We see that in the Bhagavatam many of these personalities are worshipping Naraya, Vishnu. Not necessarily. I, my point is we shouldn't feel like forced to try to make everyone a devotee of Krishna and Vrindavan, what to speak to make everyone a gopi, everything converging point, everything, everyone becomes a gopi. That's not necessarily the case. Not necessarily that. Of course the Bhagavatam is promoting that ideal as the highest reach of the Sampradaya, blah, blah, blah. But it's not that every character of the Bhagavatam has their gopi identity, the ultimately or something like that. Some of them can even be the devotees of Vishnu by Kunta. No problem. Dhruva Maharaj. Do not, do not force Dhruva Maharaj into the Kunja. <laughs> he has his own Baikunta planet, pole star, and so on. So, in this way, with Britra Sura, in his prayer, he's saying, Oh, my Lord, so my Lord can be. So, I mean, Vishnu, Krishna, which conception of Krishna? There are many. And again, we shouldn't be that much concerned about that in the sense of that shouldn't disturb us. Now, if, if oh no, he's not a Krishna Bhakta or so how that section can be pointing to the ultimate reach of the Bhagavatam, maybe British Suras and Dasya for Vishnu by Kunta, to what? <laughs> to the lens of our Acharyas. No? That's that's pointing in one direction. And of course they, our Purvacharas, are pointing our attention in that direction. And, and they are seeing everything in connection to that ultimate reach, but it doesn't mean that all these personalities are necessarily there, like the example of Udo. Yeah, he's pointing to the gopis, he's pointing to Radha, because he's offering these prayers after the, the Brahma Gita, which is the song of the bumblebee, which has Radha as, as the main character, according to our Acharyas. The Bhagavatam is not saying that overtly. So in one sense, Uddhava is pointing to Radha's glory. But it doesn't mean that he's a manjari because he's doing that or something like that. So yeah, in this case there is, at least in this section of the purpose of this verse of the Bhagavatam, not like overtly clear situation, this is Prithrasura in, in the Parabyam, if you will. We know who he was as Chitraketu Maharaj in the previous life. We know that as Prithrasura he attained Prem according to what Jiva Swami mentioned. Vishwanath mentioned this idea of Dasya, spiritual Dasya. So, on the basis of those points, maybe in some other Purana, something else is being said, some further research should, should be done in that connection. But on the basis of those things, anyone can, uh, I don't want to say speculate, but one can like think further about that, and the rest maybe, as Prabhupada said, Go there and find that for yourself. <laughs> and if you go there and you don't find British Surya there, well, he may be somewhere else. <laughs> but he had prem, that's for sure. So we know he had prem, that's 
that's the warranty, if you will, no? I mean, he's on, on the other side, if you will. The further details, sometimes will we will reveal. No? I mean, not necessarily every single detail will needs to be there in place, no? But, but of course, if anyone discovers some further insights regard or in your budget something comes, you can share with us about Buddhist What else? Uh, just quickly, in connection with that same question, Vitasura uh, or his form when he supposedly ascended Shiva, he didn't have praying then? Or. Was she Taketu Maharaj? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did it take him being put into a human body to then further his praying? Mm-hmm. Or was he in Baba before? I mean. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like you're just thrown into a Vichasura form and then he's battling Indra and there's nothing else in between. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Think yeah, it's a similar situation. Sometimes Samacharas have compared Chitraketu Maharaj's situation to that of, of Bharat Maharaj. Now, we have many stories like this in the Bhagavatam of many lifetimes. No? He was this person in his previous life, he reached this point, this happened. He was born as this, apparently some curse in between, but generally all those situations we see they are fur- they are like further promoting their the bhava or the whatever state they have developed. No? So one example and I go back one minute in one minute to Chitaketu Maharaj is the one of Bharat. So Bharat Maharaj is, you know, this famous king of the whole of Bharat, Mahabharat. So he attained Bhav. It is mentioned by at least Vishwanachakabhakuradu. So, and you know, he became attached to, to a deer. It is said that that deer was like the embodying of his Prabhupada karma, if you will, whatever remained there to appear in that form. <laughs> and apparently he fell. Now one may say he fell. Oh no, he fell from Bhava. What happened? No? Uh-huh. But actually, Vishwanachakabhakuradu explains that's he used the term there, Shobana Karma, the Guru Maharaj quotes many times, beautiful karma. It seems it's a, a perhaps the karma personified making you fall, but here, if you really judge the, the tree by the fruit, you realize, I mean, his Bhavas, Bharat Maharaj, only increased. Because as, as a deer, he was born as a deer in a second life, and he was drawn, he was able to remember his previous lifetime. That imagine. So that was a deer in Bhava Bhakti. <laughs> Bhava deer, not Bhava Bhakti. Bhava Bhakti deer. <laughs> uh, there's one type of deer called Krishna Sara. In the, the Bhavatan is mentioned him always. Krishna Sara means who, also who takes Krishna as their essence. Most, he was a Krishna Sara deer, at least in the sense of taking that as it. So he was born as a deer. And uh, and he remembered on oh, my previous life, I got attached to the deer, I fell. So, and, and, and that activated something in him, some healthy repentance. I mean, he was still in Baba Bhakti, he was not like going down, because he didn't commit aparat. It's not that Bharat Maharaj fell because he wasn't. And the scriptures say, if you are in Baba, the only way you can fall, and that's almost like a type of hypothetical way of putting that is, if you commit a very extreme offense to a very exalted Vaishnava. Of course, the next question is, 
who in bhava will do that? <laughs> so that's like a way of saying, be careful with Vaishnava <laughs> So the point is, Bharat Maharaj was in bhava, he didn't engage in any apparatus. So we may say he failed, but he didn't fail because he continued. I mean, his bhava was not lost because there was no apparatus. There's no apparatus. I mean, a deer, attachment to a deer cannot make your bhava disappear. It was just an arrangement of Bhagavan in a particular case. He was born as a deer with bhava, but that bhava now was really turning itself with fire of repentance because of what happened in the previous life. He would still remember. So in order to... That was the arrangement of Bhagavan that took that form. So he was really careful and really extremely attached to remain in the association of the Vaishnav as a deer. So as a deer, he only remained in Sadhu Sangha, absorbed, absorbed. So, so, so. so he further turned his Baba as a deer in that Sangha and eventually he was born in the third lifetime as Jada Bharat. When, when it is mentioned that he already attained Prem at that point. So Bharat Maharaj had Bhava, but by the so-called fall, he turned, the Bhava was turned, and in the third birth he was born as um, Jada Bharat, which was he's described in the Bhagavad as uh, someone with Prem, who is an Paramahamsa, an Abadut, who is totally absorbed in... So that's one example. So going back to Achitra Ketu Maharaj and Brita Sura, what the, our Acharyas mentioned is that Chitraketu, in that stage as Chitraketu, remember, he first of all, he was a, there are similar patterns there, as you can see. Mm. No? Mm. Bharat Maharaj was a king, he got attached. Chitraketu Maharaj was a king, he got attached <laughs> to the child. As you, different but similar points that the Bhagavan wants also to make. Uh-uh. <laughs> Implying also, if you may have bhava bhakti, or you, have, you may have some level of bhakti, and material attachment, if there is no apparatus, material attachment, attachment cannot make bhakti to retire, but that may delay your, your attainment of the goal. So if you really want to advance in your practice, you will better be careful of that. And of course, if you calculate, saying, oh, no problem, I can engage in, in sinful activities, but after that I can engage in bhakti, that's apparat. <laughs> That's the seven offense to the to Sri Nam. To engage in Papa in sin with the confidence of the power of Sri Nam. You follow. So that's tricky because I mean if you engage in sin without wanting that, the Bhagavatam says that. Shadalud Vistayanaya. Okay. Eleventh canto, two verses, very nice verses that says uh that if a devotee not so advanced is practicing bhakti and the devotee knows in theory it's not good to enjoy in a selfish way to fall under the call of these senses and blah 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 but nonetheless he or she falls on some level or another the only thing the only um, how do you say in English to Counteract something. There's one word. No, some other word. What? Atonement. Yeah, thank you. The only atonement for someone in bhakti is just wake up and continue with your bhakti. That's what the Bhagavatam says. If you unintentionally fail in some sinful activity, 
it was not your idea, you want to avoid that, you know it's not good for you, but what to do? The gunas came, one wave, tamasic wave, rajasic wave, mm -hmm. you fell, what have you do? You are on the floor, thrown there, you wake up and you embrace bhakti again. It's not that you need some separate atonement, so you continue with your bhakti and nothing was lost. The point is your bhakti was not lost, continue. But again, if you take that, abuse that idea and sin purposefully, how do you say? Purposely, intentionally, on the strength of bhakti, that goes to another category which is aparat, and that can damage your bhakti. So the point is that Chitraketu Maharaj was a devotee, but he was, well, as you know, he had this attachment, the child, Narad Muni came, Angira, blah, blah, blah. Eventually he received the mantra from Narada after he was enlightened, after the child was died, dead, and he came back to life, you remember the first lecture. So he had like a, how do you say, epiphany, not like, and in one week it is said that he had direct darshan of Bhagavan by chanting Narada's mantra. So one may say also, well, that's, maybe he was someone else in his previous life to Chitraketu Maharaj to just I mean, receive mantra and in one week you have darshan of Bhagavan. That's, I mean, it's like if some devotee comes to the ashram to live as a new newcomer and after a week, <laughs> I think, I mean, he must have been practicing from many lifetimes or some Kripa series or something. So the point is Chitraketu Maharaj, I think Vishwanath is the one who makes the point. He chanted this mantra for a week. He had darshan of Bhagavan, and that generally connected to Baba Bhakti. No? Okay. Um, it's not say which mantra was given, but Narada gave him English gave him mantra. Sometimes Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya is mentioned, but there's not mentioned in detail. But he received diksha from Narada. That's the point. So after a week, he he had darshan of Bhagavan. So generally that, of course, Bhagavan can give darshan whenever he likes, but Bhava is in a stage which is classically characterized by having darshan of Bhagavan. Seeing him for a moment, stop seeing him. Seeing him, stop him. So the darshan is interrupted yet, and that starts to increase the longing that you want the uninterrupted association of your Ishtadev. As I always say, what must it mean to see Bhagavan? That's one thing. What must it be to see Bhagavan? But what must it be to stop seeing Bhagavan after having seen him? We, we first have to see him <laughs> for understanding that. So once you see Krishna and suddenly you stop seeing him, you prepare, you will be thrown into a pool of divine madness. You, you will start seeing him everywhere in the sense of looking for the object of your worship. As you might well say your deity will be become universalized. <laughs> So Chitraketu Maharaj was described as a Baba Bhakta before becoming Vrishwasura. Vishwanath mentions that not only because of this idea of having darshan of Bhagavan, because, but also it is described that he was traveling, as I mentioned, at, at will around the universe. And at one point he arrived at Kailash. I mean, he, it's not that he was living nearby Kailash or he took, someone took him in Palanquin for months. And he, he was just flying, similar to Narada. He received some samskar from his guru who can also travel at will. <laughs> and, 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 and there Vishwanath is mentioned, he was traveling as a Jivan Mukta. So this term Jivan Mukta, which is generally connected to the practice of, of Jnana, Marga, refers to someone who is liberated in life. 
in the context of Gyan is someone waiting for his for perhaps the karma to play itself out and they enter Bideha Mokti ultimate liberation. For a devotee, the, the parallel to Jivan Mukta is Bhava Bhakta. So by that we can infer also that um, Astri Chaketu Maharaj, Vritrasura, was Astri Chaketu Maharaj Bhava Bhakta and he was cursed <laughs> to fall but he didn't lose his status as a Baba Bhakta, but he actually upgraded that in the form of Britishur. And that particular birth, a so-called demon, helped to Chitoketu to further turn his Baba Bhakti and uh, transform it, if you will, in Prem, as Yuba Goswami confirmed, Britishur is expressing Prem here. So that's a, a good point that the Acharyas always emphasize. You know, in the case of a very exalted devotee, whatever apparent falling or difficulty or whatever is just there to further turn whatever bhava they have. Even though it takes the form of a curse, the birth of a, as a demon, you can say the same with Jai Vijay. To the extreme, they fell from Vaikuntha. <laughs> I mean, they were the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha and now demon for three lifetimes. But actually to say that those birds were all increasing their serving disposition. Actually, they offered themselves to, to do so in their attempt to further please Narayan. So, again, externally seems something, internally something else. So we have to go beyond the, the surface of things. It's not always that easy to detect a Vaishnava, especially a very exalted one. And the Bhagavatam is full of those examples. Whether exalted Vaishnavas coming in the form of demons, or, I don't know, the main example of the Guru figure of the Bhagavatam is Sukadeva Goswami. And he doesn't seem like the standard Guru figure to accept, to be accepted by the Emperor of the world, if you will, Parikshit Maharaj. Parikshit Maharaj was senior than Sukadeva in age. He was in one way senior to him in worldly experience, the king of the world, and but he could recognize, he went beyond the form of, oh, this is a 16-year-old naked boy. <laughs> he didn't see that. He said, oh, he's my guru. <laughs> he was pretty Saragrahi-like, pretty essential, if you can imagine. You are the emperor of the world, older than that person, and suddenly a 16-year-old boy naked appears. <laughs> and, and, and he was like totally disconnected from, not even attached to a coping. <laughs> But Parikshi Maharaj just went through the external appearance and realized he's the one who, from whom I have to speak here the Bhagavatam from. So, so again, some may take the form of demons, some may take the form of an Admiral, a naked youth, whatever. But the Bhagavatam is over and over again. What to speak? We, we reach Vrindavan and we need to go beyond the apparent features of Vrindavan and to go to what Vrindavan really is. You know? I mean, if you get stuck into the external presentation of that, you may think this is you know, this is so limited and ordinary and they you know, whatever, you can really it can blow your mind. <laughs> That's why the first cant of the Bhagavatam is not dealing with Brajalila because there will be maybe no Gaudiya Vaishnava in the whole world. <laughs> Where you have to go through all these other layers of, of preparation, if you will. So you can enter the Brajalila and 
and survive the experience. And not only survive, but decide, I want to enter here for eternity. <laughs> Appreciate. Mm -hmm. But it's really paradoxical. Mm -hmm. Everyone seems so ignorant there. <laughs> but they have the highest knowledge. And say, oh, all the sections of Udav go in there prove that. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, we have to go beyond the poem in one way or another. So, okay. What else? We have some minutes yet. Yeah. Onkar has some questions over there? Yeah, but they're not really related to the topic. Okay, let's wait if there's someone, some related. If not, we can go to that one. I don't know. Any questions from the ones also connected here via the streaming? Yeah, that's um, there is this mentioning of uh, like in Mukti, where the devotee rejects Mukti, but there is also something. I don't remember exactly where, because I don't think in this part of Bhagavatam it said like that. But I think there is somewhere um, at the time of death, Mukti appears, and if you make any mistake, instead of like pursuing your bhakti, you might accept Mukti. Is it like real or <laughs> impossible? <laughs> Yeah, I do not subscribe to that theory, you know, because beyond the theory in itself, so this idea that sometimes infuses like fear or concern, be careful because who knows at the very last moment you can make that mistake and you may end who knows where and lose your human form or go to Brahman or be born as an animal and forget everything and I mean if someone concludes like that that person has not understood properly the, the power of bhakti that we were speaking of before and, the, and Krishna's affection towards his devotee as, as we always say even if it, in, in the moment of death sometimes the devotee may ask well, but what if I'm practicing and I'm trying to be honest and sincere? I have not reached Prem yet, but I'm practicing. Suddenly, I have to leave this body, and I'm not—I'm not fully Krishna conscious. And who knows? In the moment of death, I may be distracted and fearful and attached, and and I may not think about Krishna. So, <laughs> where will I go? <laughs> If, I, if the person was sincerely practiced on some level or another, so the point is, what will happen? I may not be thinking about Krishna like it should be. So the point is, yeah, maybe you forgot about Krishna, like Krishna won't forget about you. <laughs> I mean, do not underestimate <laughs> Krishna's nature. Because if not, we are making of Krishna something else, someone else, that he is not. I mean, Again, we won't abuse that and oh, Chris, overconfident. Krishna is so merciful, so I will live a nonsense life, but he will, he will remember about me that day that I gave one dollar donation to the temple once in a lifetime. I will be prone to Vaikuntha, but no, no, it's not like this. But if you are sincere in trying to practice, that's what's taken into consideration. So... I don't. I think what what you are quoting, and, and, and it's, I, I know it's not something that you subscribe either. And 
but sometimes the boat is quoted things but it, it's more like it, no Bagotan is not, not saying that to begin with and and also the point is I mean if a devotee is practicing on some level seriousness with seriousness I mean last thing that the devotee will want is mukti at, at least to begin with maybe well, of course we say mukti are varieties of mukti to begin with Brahma Sayuja that's totally rejected by the devotees emerging into Brahman and no more prospect of, for individuality. Mm. But even the other types of mukti, mm. the famous section of the Bhagavatam says, Matsivaya pratitam te salokyadi chatustaya nechanti shivaya purna kutanyat kalabiklutam. Because their Bhagavan is speaking to Ambari, saying, My devotees, Matsivaya, they are so happy with my service. Salokyadi Chatustaya. They reject Shalokya and Adi and all the other forms of Mukti, Samipya, Sarti, Sarupya, what to speak of, Sayuja. Nechanti Sivayapurna Kutanyatkala Bhikkhutan. So if they reject all forms of Mukti, what to speak of other inferior goals, you know, like enjoyment in heavenly planets and, of course, according to Jiva Goswami, the inferior goal is. Sayuja Mukti, <laughs> not the most like abominable, you say, abominable in our perspective for good reason. But my point is that, of course, the devotee may have, as the Bhagavad Gita said, maybe practicing, may have some still not be a pure devotee, may have some mixed desires, maybe a Sakam Bhakta. And as, as the Bhagavad Gita said, that person may go to the heavenly planets for a while to have some experience there and then come back. That can happen if one has that desire. Again, I mean, one chooses that. I mean, one has to be aware of that. But it's not that, uh, I don't know, if you are a devotee of Krishna and you're worshipping Krishna and Braj, yeah, you may have some desires, go to Swarga, go come back and eventually reach a goal, but it's not that you will be sent to Baikuntha, for example. Because that's not, I mean, you have not interest in that. If you have interest in that, that's another thing. And, and Rupa Goswami mentions, for example, if you worship, uh, if you want, uh, and this is also mentioned by Vishwanath uh, Chakravarti Thakur in Raghavarma Chandrika. For example, if you have a desire to serve Krishna in romantic relationship, but your practice is predominated by Bhaiti, not Raga, and in time the Bhaiti remains, where you will go? What do you think? Sorry? Very good. Dwarka. Because you want romantic relationship with Krishna in Baidi. But if you say, well, he goes to Vaikuntha, that's predominated by Baidi. Yeah, but that's not predominated by romantic relationship. The only one there is Lakshmi who can have that relationship. So there's no fit there. But you cannot either go to Golok because you have to enter into the Ragamar for that. So what's the in-between place? You will become an associate of the Queens of Dwarka. So that's my point. That can happen in, in those directions. Or, or this section that I mentioned, the external section of Golok. Some caution has been given in the scripture in that connection. Just like, I mean, we are, we are if you will, according to the... The conception and the mood through which we conduct ourselves in our sadhana, the 
Sadia will be basically the mature fruit of that. Narutam Dastakur is saying that in his poem about Kichandrika. According to how you conduct your sadhana, that you will attain your sadhya. I mean, it makes sense, I think. I mean, according to how you conceive your goal, how you embrace the practice in a particular... Of course, in the beginning, we may not have a very much clear idea of the ultimate goal and my affinity, but in time, that should become more specific. And, and, and how do we conduct in those... That will determine where we are our ultimate destiny. There's a place for that. It's not that forcibly everyone will end up, again, as Gopis in Gulagman or something like that. But there are certain options of those, not so much like, okay, I want to be a Krishna Bhakta, and I have some desires, okay, I went to Swag, I come back, whatever. But it's not that I will be thrown to Brahma Yoti, because I have no desire for that. I may have some gyan, some scars, but generally from day one we know that that's not the goal. That's not... That's the, the, the exact opposite conception that we want to attain. Golok on one side and Brahman on the other. Nor, one, nor we will be thrown to Vaikuntha again. Unless you join the Gaudiya Sampradayas, it happened with some devotees and in time they realize, oh, I have more affinity to, towards the worship of, of Narayan in Aishwarya. But at that time that person will take shelter of a particular lineage or guru or and, and will really officially like okay I'm going there I want that but it's not that no I want Krishna and Vrindavan but just at the very mo last moment whatever <laughs> someone walk and say Narayan and, and I heard that and oh I'm prone to like <laughs> something yeah. so again we, we have to yeah we shouldn't be neurotic about that then we have mainly to trust in in Krishna's mercy and grace if we want that if we have a, a, an intense clear idea in one direction we have we will trust krishna will protect nourish that even though we may have our still our ups and downs but but not so much to the point of yeah Unconscious level, but there are also those unconscious samskaras. So mm -hmm. Let's say that uh, someone has samskara for Brahma Diyoti, who at which point of practice this samskara would be like erased and person would be directed towards. Uh, well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Strictly speaking, I mean, there are levels of samskara replacement, if you will. It's not just like... There are levels of samskaras as well. It's like what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says in Madhurya Kadambini about the different types of anarthas and how they... It's a way of speaking about that. And he says how, for example, the, the anarthas that come from Sukriti and Duskriti, from pious activities and uh, impious activities, are, are totally retired in, in Nista. But still, there are the artists that come from Aparat and the artists that come from Bhakti. I mean, not Bhakti giving an artist, but we becoming improperly attached to the byproducts of Bhakti, and that becomes Bhakti Uta Anartha. And those will be cleansed in higher stages, especially Aparat, that will retire fully in, in Prem, he says, again, basically. 
there is some apparent risk of that in Bhav. And in Bhav, but strictly speaking again, many Acharya has said, in Bhav actually you cannot fall. The scripture mentioned that in, as a way of saying, be careful with Aparat. So in Bhava, our mind, our chitta is fully, um, how to say, drenched, drenched in, in, in Bhava. Our chitta, we say, our chitta becomes of that nature, no? Spirit, spiritualized uh, chitta in a word. So some scars are stored there. Some scars are stored in the chitta. So the process of cleaning the chitta, cheto, darpana, marjanam, of course we are already doing that, but as you mentioned, uh, until we reach a stage like bhava, there will be some scars that may be moving us uh, in a subliminal way, unconsciously, who knows for so many. So as much as we progress in the practice, I will say that the result of, 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 of purifying our chitta, of cleaning the mirror, if you will, is those things that are in the unconscious, come to the conscious level and and we can like work on them in a more direct way because at one point that's there moving you like a puppet <laughs> but you are not even aware it's that you may feel that's me <laughs> so many people over identify with their samskar I mean I'm that person I have that move that's my nature yes but only for a while <laughs> So at one point of the practice that becomes more apparent. Now the difference between this is acquired and it's here today, gone tomorrow, and I'm something else. And, and you really see more clearly, you, you really are able to detach yourself from those samskars that before were so much subliminal that you were not able to see them. You were, your, your sense of identity were, were like merged with those unconscious movements. So now you, you are able to separate yourself, you are more enlightened, more aware. And again, the final eradication, eradication, you say, of those come at bhakti. When we say eradication, actually we meant by incorporating bhakti samskaras. Now, those bhakti samskaras come with certain power, with certain force, that gradually everything else will have to retire, basically. That, that's the idea. And there was, as we must give the example of the how Srinam comes to our life like a broom. How do you say? Like he puts a, a shop of selling brooms and gradually that little shop that seems insignificant will put, shut down, close all the great corporations that represent desires and some scars and I'll buy me, eat me, have me, enjoy me. And, uh, <laughs> so this broom in this Chetu Darpana Marjana will like cancel off those but will open its own shop, if you will. will will create its own identity, its own samskar. Of course, this is not necessarily the the rule. I mean, it, it, it may be the rule, but not necessarily always will happen like that. My, my point is, it's not necessarily that every single samskar, unconscious samskar that we have, at one point will become, we will become aware of that, and we will transcend that, Consciously, sometimes some unconscious side of ourselves is being cleansed and transcended even without ourselves noticing it. Actually, that's a great emphasis of our charity. You are you are being purified for tons of things that you are not even aware of. <laughs> because try to make try to make the I mean it's not a mathematical thing, but it helps. Try to make the calculation. No, 
let's say that we started our devotional life this last lifetime, or let's say to a lifetime. No? I won't say more than that, maybe three, but you should you should already be <laughs> not here anymore. But let's say one life to put that on one side of the scale, put on the other side what? An Adi. <laughs> Lifetimes without beginning of remaining under the shelter of Maya Shakti. Shelter, quote unquote. So you can imagine how many sounds cars you have imbibed, how much material impression for millions and trillions and billions and I can we can become lifetimes. On the other side, one lifetime, two lifetimes of bhakti. And and, and we, we can perceive, of course, we cannot be aware of all that big load of samskars accumulated, but we can feel a change, we can feel an effect, so we can indirectly at least conclude, understand, oh my, oh my God, a huge cleaning is going on here now. If, I may not be aware to fully like conceive the dimension of that. And I'm not aware of every single, if you will, an art of material samskar that is being transformed into something else, but that's happening. Mm-hmm. So I will say to the body, if you do not perceive that, stop practicing for some days and you will realize, I mean, do not do that. It's a way of saying. <laughs> but sometimes you say, oh, nothing is happening when I'm chanting. Okay, stop chanting for two, two three days. And you realize, oh, whoa, something was happening. <laughs> because now I realize something is happening <laughs> by not doing that. So maybe you are not feeling bad, maybe tears are not coming, you are not rolling in the ground, you are not seeing Krishna yet. But it does mean something, nothing is happening. <coughs> and of course a good way to judge our progress is not to compare ourselves to ourselves to yesterday. Because sometimes we can make that mistake. Okay, is, is something happening? Let's see how I was feeling last week. I mean, you won't see much difference in, in few days. But go to some years back. If you have been doing things properly, you will you have to see something happening. It's like if I tell you, I planted this bamboo stick here. So you just, Jamadagni, look at this bamboo without blinking <laughs> till tomorrow, and I will be back, and you tell me if it grew. Okay, okay. Surprisingly, Jamadagni surrendered to the instruction. Totally irrational instruction, but well, he followed that. <laughs> so I come the next day, and, and before leaving, I measured the bamboo. So it's whatever, one feet tall. So next day, so what about that, Jamadagni? No, no, I, I never blinked, I never slept. You're lying to me, no problem. <laughs> and it, it didn't grow, it's the same. I was just, so let's see. So it, and it was like maybe one millimeter bigger. But the point is, we were not able to realize that because we were so much attentive to that without interruption. But if you leave the place and return one year after, you say, oh, the bamboo is growing so much. You follow my point? So if you analyze your own process today, yesterday, the day before yesterday, you may see, oh, nothing happened. But even if you measure that something was happening, but sometimes you need to concur with a little bit long-term situation, so, so yeah, you should have faith that these some scars are, are are coming. I mean, we should be engaging in continuing with that. It's not just having faith in an irrational way. We need to really feel how our identity is, is changing, our sense of personality is 
this is becoming much more uh, deep and whole. Okay. Omkar, you have one question. There is no much time, but yeah, yeah, maybe do it. You can quickly clear. Yeah. Uh, from the book, uh, Subjective Evolution of Consciousness. Yeah. Sulasri Ramara said, everything is conscious. When we realize it fully, we shall be fixed in the first domain in the spiritual world. There are different living beings made close as matter, as the Yamuna, as water, as rivers, as trees, but they are all conscious units simply posing in different ways. So, I think I maybe understand what you further refer to, but to just explain what he means, like, they're posing as matter in the spiritual world? Well, in, in that the point is that everything in <clears throat> the spiritual world is conscious, Krishna conscious, if you will. <laughs> it's not that they are devotees and there is something else. No, everyone and everything is a devotee there. And again, it's difficult to to think in terms of that, no? Like, I don't know, when Raghunathas Goswami is describing the different ornaments of Srimati Radharani, no? the air rings and the simanta, and he describes all of them in terms of their hair clothes, all of them represents a particular type of ecstasy. So she's dressed in ecstasy. <laughs> it's not like silk. I mean, sometimes it's a silk sari, it's a way of saying, it's a baba sari, a baba skirt, a baba earring, everything is made of, it's conscious. You now, to say that Krishna doesn't need to wear any ornaments because he's parampadam bhushana bhushananga, he's the ornaments of, of his ornaments. Sometimes it is say, you know, like, actually instead of he becoming beautified by the ornaments, the ornaments become beautified by being with him. So the question is, so why is he wearing them? Because his ornaments are devotees, and Krishna wants to give them the chance of rendering service to him. Yeah. No, the earrings are entities. <laughs> Again, it's difficult to conceive that because nowadays we we even project inertia into consciousness, if you will. <laughs> now we are upside down. When there is life, we are seeing matter only. So we hear on the other side there is only spirit. No? Even though it takes the form of matter, it's like like a big leap, no? a big abyss. Mm -hmm. So, but that's stated. No, Chaitanya Charitamrita says, "Vaikuntha priti vyadisakalsin mai." From Vaikuntha up, if you will, everything is transcendental substance, consciousness. Even the dust, we say, priti vi. Priti vi means the earth. In Vaikuntha, the earth, priti vyadisakalsin mai is in mai. Means its, its nature is chin. Chit means consciousness. Hmm? So, the point is everything in the spiritual world, whether it be Vaikuntha, Dwarka, Mathura, Golok, everything is a devotee. <laughs> everything is rendering some service. Sometimes the conception of Santa Rasa is connected to that. Hmm? Because Santa Rasa is kind of is an evasive tattoo, if you will. What Santa Rasa? Who is in Santa Rasa? And so on. But Sometimes it is described that many of these entities who are devotees that apparently are not moving are stuff in the spiritual world. <laughs> no, there is a table. There has to be a table. We hear about the descriptions of the Lila and there is a chair and there is a glass and there is a coconut and there is a whatever. 
and all of them seem like inert substances, but it cannot be, because we are speaking in terms of spiritual world. So everything must be fully awakened to their relation. So they are described sometimes as Santa, situated in Santa Rasa, like rendering service, but in a passive way. There are varieties of Santa Rasa, of course. We, know, we have the contemplative sages in Vaikuntha, having the the beatific vision of Narayan, but for example, in other aspects, I mean, in Vaikuntha, there is also, again, the palanquin. <laughs> so who is the palanquin? It's not a thing. That's the point. Even everything is a person there. Gurunisha told me that, well, I mean, Guru Maharaj announced that they are, Gurunisha is compiling different teachings, teachings of, of, of different, of Guru Maharaj from different lectures and they will be publishing some books, more introductory ones. So I was curious and I spoke with Guronistas to tell me, tell me more about that and tell me which are the topics and which is the main one. And so he told me that the first one to keep thinking, uh, maybe that won't be the final title. I don't want just, I'm not, I'm giving now here the, the news, maybe not, but he said that at least he was the main one, the first one he's working on. Ten tentative, you say tentative? The tentative title is Reality is a Person. And of course it has to do with this countering, counteracting the idea of Mayabad and Buddhism, that ultimately there is no personhood. But also we can take to this point, reality is a person in the sense that the ultimate reality, everyone is a person. <laughs> Every, I mean, not only Krishna is the ultimate reality and he is a person, but in that ultimate reality, not only everyone is a person, but everything, everything is everyone. No? Everything is a person also. Everyone has feelings and emotions, and there are so many of these pastimes. No, let's share one brief one that I sometimes I show when Krishna is is more with his Kumar Lila, so he's with some in his Makanchor Lila. No? He's still in butter. So at one point he enters into the house of one Gopi, and he sees one pot with butter with Makan. So he goes up, and, but he says that these gopis already were aware Krishna is always like doing his, how do you say? Mischief. So one gopi put one bell inside the butter pot. So whenever Krishna put the hand, bell will sound and they will know, oh, Krishna's here. <laughs> so he, he was about to take the, mat, the butter and he realized, oh, there's a bell here. So he started to speak to the bell. He said, do not sound. Do not make any sound. I will take the butter. No? No? Please. Mauna. Mauna for a moment. Then you can stop it now. So this is the point. I mean, it's, I mean you don't speak to a bell. <laughs> but here we are speaking about the devotee serving in that particular form. Oh, well, the past time continues that Krishna puts the hand, the bell is not sounding. They say, do not sound when I put my hand inside. Okay. Krishna puts the hand, takes the butter and starts to eat, and the bell starts ringing. Okay. So Krishna says, but what are you doing? I told you. Say, you told me not to sound when, when you put the hand, but you are eating, and every time that Bhagavan sees it, the bell has to sound, the Krishna said. So he was caught by the gopi and many pastimes from that one. But this is one example of how so-called inert matter is like having a purpose in, in the development of the lila in the crease of prasa. So I know it's 
difficult to fit between our ears, but again, to begin with, let's try to find consciousness here, no? because sometimes we may forget that we ourselves are <laughs> our consciousness. So what to speak relating to a world where there's nothing else apart from that. So it's a gradual movement from one side to the other. Tilasir Maras will say also in that section, some people doubt the existence of spirit. And say, we doubt about the existence of matter. <laughs> because we see spirit everywhere. Consciousness is all-pervading. Paramatma, Shirodaka said, Vishnu, it's in every atom, strictly speaking. Paramatma is not only in every heart, but it's in every atom. So every atom is an embassy of Paramatma. Wow. Imagine that you awake, become awake to that reality. <laughs> in that line, he was trying to, of course, to counteract this idea of the science, materialistic science, that there is no consciousness, there is only matter. So you're saying, no, no. There's a point where there's only consciousness. <laughs> so we want to go there. Let's continue in our path. Getting closer and closer by the mercy of Guru and Bhaisna. So thank you so much for your time, your association. These days, very happy to be here. very soon again. Tila Gurudev Ki Jai. Shuman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai. Sri Sri Daudji Gopal Ji Ki Jai. Gantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Sri Britra Sura Ki Jai. Sitra Jitu Maharaj Ki Jai. Gaur Bhaktavinda Ki Jai. Gaur Prima Nari Jai.